Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who likes to set homework for our listeners, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. I was trying to think of uh, something a teacher would say, but uh, it turns out it's actually been a lot longer than I realised since I was in a classroom. What does what does a teacher say when homework is due, Wendy? Um, so they would say, firstly, have you written it in your homework diary? Oh Jesus, <laughs> homework diaries. Yeah, do you remember oh, those? Hell. And yeah. you would say you would say yes, Miss, and then uh, you'd have to hand the homework in on time. And if you didn't hand the homework in time, what would happen at your school? Would you get detention? Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't really know. We got away with just not having homework <laughs> basically. I remember going to like pretty extreme lengths to like make the homework diary not an element at play. Like rather than just like not having the diary with me, not writing it down, like more extreme kind of circumstances to erode the powers of the homework diary. <laughs> Um, so, because that was not something I was interested in existing. It sounds like basically you spent more time worrying about the homework diary than you would have spent doing the actual homework. Yeah, and 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 it dramatically improves my problem solving abilities. You know, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's how your parents justified it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the point being, shout out to Dap from our Discord server who responded to our call. Um, and basically helped Nathan create some content oh, yeah. on the fly. Uh, Nathan, do you want to tell us what you did? Uh, at the last minute, I thought, basically, people have been been tweeting us and mentioning on the Patreon and mentioning on the Discords that, like, since they watched my videos on Corners, that, like, it's sort of woken them up to, to what's going on. And every time there's a corner, they're constantly looking and going, this guy's zonal, this guy's man-marking. So I thought, rather than just, like, another lecture from me i would set some homework uh and so i i got everybody who was online on the discord on on a friday evening <laughs> because what what there is there to do to uh to sort of get involved and, and help me through it and tell me what they can see and and see what what i'd missed um and see what they're seeing and 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 try and you know uh, share the knowledge around a little bit. It was really fun, and Dap was excellent. Dap was uh, very game. Yeah, uh, and we'll definitely be doing something similar again. I think. Um, before we get started, I, I want to give a very quick promo. I do another podcast called Fifteen Minutes with Flav and Wendy with Flav from the Fighting Cock, who I'm sure everyone knows. And uh, season two is going to be starting this week. So if if that's something that interests you, um, yeah, subscribe to Fifteen Minutes. Basically, it's. Uh, it's a podcast in which Flav and I discuss a subject pretty much at random 
with no kind of clearly no research because we're very informed and we just talk about things from our own perspectives which are often very different and it makes for an amusing and sometimes interesting conversation um west brom buddy you're you're overjoyed with uh with your manager as you call him uh <laughs> let's start off at the at the very high level um how how did you find the west brom game and uh how do you feel being or how did you feel being briefly top of the league um i'm surprised you didn't go with the lineup because i think the lineup was more exciting than the than <laughs> the actual performance we've been waiting for <laughs> sun kane and bale to line up all together and and we got it and in typical kind of Spurs way, it just wasn't as exciting as it as it could have been. But it was it was brilliant to see the three of them line up, and I thought they had brief moments of understanding. And it's quite exciting. It's still quite exciting. I'm still I'm not dead on it yet, even though Bale hasn't quite kind of motored away, and Son's kind of, Son's form has dropped off. But it was exciting to see the three of them start. And what are your kind of um, high level overall feelings of of the match? Um, I'm happy with the three points. I still think we we lack a little bit of control in these games. The same way we the same way we played against Burnley and Brighton. I would like us to have dominated the match, but ultimately, I'm happy with the three points, and I think that's a positive. And we were top of the league for 33 minutes, and it felt great. And it still feels great to be above Liverpool, above City, and in a really strong place with us in front of them with with big games to come so I'm still positive even though it wasn't the kind of 4-5-0 spanking that it would have been but I think teams teams have got smart when they start playing us now and they, they're learning how to nullify us and we've got to try, start trying to score different types of goals and we did kind of do that on, on Sunday with a big boot into the area <laughs> Uh, Nathan, I'm going to go. I'm going to go a bit more in depth tactical with you. I'm going to say we have a question from Stephen Marinkovic. He says another match against a team playing three at the back. Another subpar performance. Coincidence? Um, it's definitely a facet uh, of 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 our struggles, but it's also far from the full picture. I think uh, uh, Buddy's right that like teams are sort of getting the hang of things, and there's definitely some similarities in approach between West Brom and Burnley, which is mm. not to just drop all the way back into the box to, to sort of contest things in a medium block, but to make sure um, that the centre-backs and at least one defensive midfielder in front of them is is sort of retreating into the box so that they're very hard to counter against. I saw a lot of complaints that we weren't attacking fast enough in the first half, but I really think it was very much the opposite. We kept trying to counter mm-hmm. into space that wasn't there and mm-hmm. catch them off guards when they were just retreating in in numbers and and so we we you know arrive fairly fast into a box that already happens to have four or five West Brom defenders in. And I thought they did really well. They did a really good job defensively, individually and collectively. Um, but it's 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 becoming a little bit obvious what we're gonna do. Um I do think Bale's not quite there. He's a little he's a little oh, uh has the has episode seven of Straight Off the Drayton Ground come out yet? No, it hasn't okay. yet. Well, ha ha ha, the tables have turned to to rob a point of Chris as as one of only two people who have listened to the episode. He points out Bale's sort of development in his sort of neat little connective passing play in, in tighter areas that wasn't really a presence of his game back mm. when he was here, you know, seven years ago. So at least there's that going on. He's he's still he's still not quite at, at, at fitness and sharpness yet, is he? Yeah, I, I agree. And it was a really it was a 
good chat I had with Chris. Um, so straight off the training ground is our ex subs only podcast. So if you if you fancy listen to that, it's uh, you'll need to join our Patreon. This is basically one big advert for our Patreon today, <laughs> isn't it? It's, it's really not intended to be that way. And honestly, we we still fully intend to always do our main weekly <laughs> podcast for free for people who are sick of hearing about our Patreon and don't want to pay any money to us. Um, but that that is one of the benefits of joining. You get me and Chris Summersell uh once a week roughly um talking and chris is great it's really good we did we did an episode on bail and it was really interesting um gareth thomas and and shout out to gareth thomas because he's someone who always engages with us he's he's a a good lad on twitter he says why doesn't windy want to roll in the mud with bardi (laughs) and so this is because (laughs) the background to this is that bardi tweeted something along the lines of uh, how we get dragged down to to the levels of the teams we're playing against, and I replied saying I, I don't think this is how I would characterise the match, but I'll save it for the podcast. So this is the, the reason I don't want to roll around in a mud with Bardi. And don't get me wrong, that is a very attractive proposition. Um, but the reason that I don't want to non metaphorically roll around in a mud with Bardi is um, because I don't think that is what happened in this game. I think. So I thought West Brom played well. I thought West Brom played some really tidy football. They didn't like... You, you think about how that Burnley game went. They had Ashley Barnes and they had Chris Wood, two big lumps up front who ran the channels and they fired these long balls into the channels and uh, and Wood would hold them up briefly and the winger would come up and then the fullback, if that worked out, the fullback would come and join them and they'd slowly get a bit of a bit of possession and then they'd eventually get Wood back into the box and whip across it and try and put it on his head. So West Brom didn't play that way. They played properly, generally through the midfield and they had Conor Gallagher, who's a very good footballer and was it Karinovic? Mm-hmm. I could be saying his name wrong. I'd, I, I knew I'd seen his name written down before. I knew he played for Benfica previously but I don't think I'd ever seen him play before he's very tidy on the ball in midfield he had a a good match and I thought they played some decent stuff West Brom um and I didn't think it was us moving down to their level at all I just thought in the first half we were basically pretty evenly matched in fact West Brom maybe edged it we definitely turned up in the second half I mean there's no doubt we we went from creating one chance we had one shot in the first half something like 18 in the second Mm -hmm. there's a a vast difference there something changed at half time um but I just felt that was a little bit of an unfair characterization of West Brom that's not to say they're good by the way you know I think they are legitimately a bad team um and i'll come back to that later as well nathan were you able to identify what might have changed at half time uh i've i've re the first half to sort of confirm the suspicions i had i haven't got around to re-watching the second half yet but i will uh looking at the expected goals as a sort of a progression through the match it looks like the turning point may well more have been about lo coming on for indomble yes Yes. Uh, than any sort of tactical tweak, um, which as, um, you know, the world's foremost Ndombele, uh stan <laughs> is is perhaps difficult to, to, to wrestle with. I, I do wonder what it is about Lo Celso's game that was different from Ndombele's that, or, or what that 
change sort of triggered that allowed things to change but that is that is the point in time in which we start racking up the shots specifically uh Lo Celso's massive massive chance that he um hmm. sent out for a goal kick so I, I would just say that our only chance in the first half only proper chance in the first half came from a really good bit of play by Ndombele did. Um, setting up Son and also I am strongly still of the belief that Ndombele is playing too high up the pitch so in this game that meant that he was he either had one of West Brom's centre-backs following him around or he had Jake Livermore following him around and he just couldn't find the space. If he dropped deeper, I think he would have found more space to work with and we'd have progressed the ball better. He was fouled um, off the pitch, uh, wasn't he? He was, what, sorry? He was fouled off the pitch the whole game and yeah. then eventually, you know, as a final move, fouled off the pitch as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're right, Lo Celso's introduction um, definitely, definitely had an impact. Um, Bardi, natural finish says, is Regulon a god amongst men? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was brilliant. But I'd, I'd just like to go back to um, the rolling in, in the mud thing, just because I like I like to think about me and you that way, Wendy. <laughs> but um, Burnley, uh, West Brom, they all kind of merge into one. West Brom set out to stop us playing, and they were they were pretty successful at that. But then the moment they they have to try and do something, they're unable to do it. We take the lead, and then what I quite enjoyed is then us taking our time they were time wasting from the first from the start and as soon as we were in front we were able to waste time and i enjoyed that and yeah. that's that's what i mean when when burnley try and do a sort of a set piece we ended up doing them with a set piece when west brom tried to s- slow the game down with fouls and everything else we got our goal and then we then we turned the tables on them they had no answer um i think the back three thing is is an issue at the moment because they can follow the center back the middle center back and follow kane out into midfield and then it congests it up for everybody else i still am very hopeful for when we come up against a back four like man city that i think i think son and kane can can tear them apart like we did to manu like we did to southampton so i, I think there's still a lot to be um positive about and i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to that city game Reguilón was brilliant. I mean, he's he's got a little bit of everything. I loved his drive and his ambition to hit another one. He cuts in on his right foot. He's an absolute star of a fullback, and I I struggle to think of a of a fullback we've had that that is quite as talented def- attacking wise and defensively as him. He's he's a wonderful little guy, and um, we'll probably get onto Doherty later. And he's he's a very different player to Doherty, but it's great it's great to have that in him. I just I'm always concerned when we have these stars like um, Hoiberg and Region. I do start to worry that we're very reliant on these guys and the replacements for them perhaps aren't quite there. The one he's, he reminds me of the most so far is Kyle Walker when Kyle Walker was at his absolute peak. That, that pace, the top speed is insane and it just I mean naturally having having that speed on the he's going to in a role as demanding as fullback with modern fullbacks that speed is just naturally going to help you. But the other thing is People used to say about Kyle Walker, oh, his pace, he uses his pace to get, get out of trouble every time. And I was like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, <laughs> he's using the skills available to him to, to benefit him. That yep. is like the whole point. Regulon does the same. He's, he knows he's quick. He knows he's got recovery pace. It means he can be a little bit more risky with his, uh, with his play. And that is really exciting to watch. And he's incredibly dynamic. And I like, um, there was a piece of play where, oh God, who was it? Someone had it out wide. Um, he it was the, was it the chance for Vinicius? I forget. Basically, uh, he had a chance to sort of make himself available to receive the ball out wide on the touchline, but he didn't. He came in towards the penalty yeah. area, picked it up on the basically the edge of the box, and then got a cross in. And it just made it it made him 
so much more um it put him in a much better position to find a creative pass and i just know that if that had been ben davis he'd have been on the touchline waiting for the ball and he would have just whipped it across or whatever and and regulon is he's not like that he's much more progressive much more forward thinking he's very intelligent in the final third i'm super super impressed um, Nathan, are you going to join us on the Regulon train? He's a shining golden god. Uh, he's he's a freak, isn't he? He's an absolute freak. He, you're right. Like Kyle Walker's top speed, but like more agile, more two way, more inside yeah, and yeah. outside. Uh, there was a point where he played like the, a horrible, horrible pass to die. He yeah. then had to spank it long, and it made me laugh. Yeah, like, he like set Dyer up like that. But other than that, all oh, untiny moment, he's he's brilliant. He's absolutely outstanding. Uh, Paul Stevens says after yesterday's performance is it time to start giving Dyer some credit and Ishan says the defence looked better than usual specifically Eric Dyer what was different who fancies taking those on Eric Dyer hasn't all of a sudden become a good player Eric huh. Dyer is still Eric Dyer it very much depends on who he's up against there was one moment where I think it was the bit where he he punted it long but he just seems to wander out with the ball pass the ball and then kind of just stand there and almost block block his own fullback into a corner like so he hasn't become a good defender it's just we haven't really hasn't really been tested um I'm still concerned about our centre-backs. We seem to go now Dyer and Alderweireld are the first choice. So that's what we got. Um, yeah, I'm still worried about them. Dyer hasn't had a change. He's just not come up against anybody half decent for, for a month. Nathan, are you aligned to that? You? No, I think he's. I think his performances <laughs> have picked up. I think that's our... I mean, like, you know, I think he's lost a bit of the muscle weight that he he had on, uh, you know, a year ago. Um I think that you know he gets to be he gets to be the manager's golden boy again, which is probably a really important thing for him. He gets to be you know uh, teacher's pet essentially, and and first choice um, considers the only person who could possibly play on the left side of the fence at the moment, <laughs> um, and that get that means that he gets to be he gets to be special, and he's decided that he wants to be a centre back, and he's getting to play centre back, and it makes him feel good about himself. So I guess that he is. He's very much he's a confidence player, isn't he? And it's it's ringing for him. Um, I do think that you know um, us sitting a little deeper a lot of the time probably helps him out in his style. Um, our sort of just our approach generally, um, not always having to try and play through pressure, um, helps him out. All of this kind of stuff. So stylistically, it's going well for him, and personally, it's going well for him, and that just that brings out his best. And his best is pretty good. It's not faultless, as Body's right to point out. It's not as good as you know. Um, Toby and Yan of a couple of years ago we're not at that level um, we could definitely keep improving at centre back um, but I think we're in an okay place I am i don't start every game worried out of my mind about the centre backs at the moment so so there's been some improvement I mean the good thing is Jose knows how to how to manage his players and I don't think he's ever going to put Dyer and Alderweireld in a formation that's going to expose them. He will continue to keep them deep. We won't see a high line, which perhaps we won't see the pressing that we, we all like and enjoy. But if there's anyone who's going to be able to protect him for the majority of the season, Jose will do that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I want to kind of um, borrow from, from both of your points there. I, I think Dyer has definitely, I mean, his performances have been good. His performances have been really good. And in this game, it suited him. You know, he was doing heading off the line, you know, for example, that was a really, really good header off the line. It was a difficult angle position. To take. He took up the position in the first place. He then made a really good header to clear. He was making blocks. He was in the right place to head stuff away. 
that's stuff he's always been pretty good at, right? That's that's not abnormal for Eric, Eric Dyer to be good at those things. He is very much a reactive defender whose first instinct is to stop the ball going in the net. And that works pretty well for him, I think. Um, I'd, I'd say also these games were quite comfortable games for him. If you look at the Burnley game, he's up against, as I mentioned, Wood and Barnes. They're not, they haven't got the pace to get away from him. They're not going to do a great deal against Brighton. He was up against the team playing no striker. Again, you know, it's fairly it's, it's a fairly easy game to marshal from his perspective. I mean, it puts pressure on the midfield, certainly, but from Dyer's perspective, it's a little easier. And against West Brom, he's playing against Callum Robinson, who, you know, he's a, he's a championship striker. Um, he did miss, he did lose, him and Alderweireld did lose Grant at one point for a totally free header in the box, which was, had Grant not been uh, N-Power League One striker, that <laughs> probably would have been a goal. So this is what I was going to come up with, uh, come on to. I think Carlin Grant is not a bad player, but he is not yet a Premier League striker. He he looks like an upper championship striker. Um, he's really fast and, and that's about it so far that's all we can say for him so far I, mean, I hope he does go on to, to do better but at the moment that's where he is uh, and West Brom they put up something like 0.8 XG I want to say depending on which which model you're looking at yep. it's about a quarter of their XG for the season you know, in their game against mm-hmm. Spurs that's that's concerning to me um, so we're playing against a bad team who haven't created much and they managed to create they managed to create stuff you know, their well, chances weren't amazing, but they, they created enough to, to to have scored a goal. I don't think Dyer was perfect, basically. I think he, he did a good job, a reasonable job against a, a poor set of strikers. I think the second he plays against, you know, dare I say Aguero or... Werner. Aguero's dead. Aguero's gone. <laughs> he's, he's not going to score 10 goals this season. But even Jesus, <laughs> even Jesus, you know... 15... Uh, I, I just think the same old flaws with Eric Dyer are going to become apparent again, and yeah. we'll get this flip-flopping thing where people go, "Dyer's really good. Dyer's not good. Dyer's really good. Mm-hmm. Dyer's not good," and and that will continue until we sign Skriniar in January, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> or someone in January, or or Joe Roden comes in and becomes the mainstay. I I just think we know we know what Dyer is, and uh, he's he's an imperfect centre back. Uh, talking about defence still so Tom Wright says does the post Walker right back curse continue and where do you sit on Doherty versus Aurier at the moment um he's had a very mixed he's had mixed reviews Doherty so far some will say that he's been guilty of some defensive errors you know he's given up a couple of penalties for example um he hasn't contributed that much offensively what do you think so far Nathan uh yeah he's not been he's not been brilliant in terms of like versus Aurea I'm never gonna have like my personal bias against Aurea doesn't put me in a good place to to sort of analyze that one I'm always gonna prefer Doherty to Aurea because I just think Aurea is an idiot and he's probably (laughs) I'm probably I'm too harsh on him so I can't I can't really give you anything meaningful there other than I don't like Aurea, therefore Doherty is alright. He's not been brilliant, but he's he's alright. I, I when we when we analysed him, when we looked at his game, Windy, we we picked out his greatest strength is his ability to become a forward in the box. Yeah. And the question was, how are we gonna make that part of our game when we usually request our right back to provide width on the left? And okay, we've moved away from the sort of uneven fullbacks thing, at least, you know, to 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 quite some degree, but 
Um, we haven't used that to then progress to Doherty arrives at the far post, except for on corners. So we're not using his best attribute attacking wise. I, I strongly agree. I strongly agree. And I used to get really frustrated when I would I'd watch us line up with Aurier high up on the right. And our only tactic would be to feed the ball out to Aurier and he just put it crossing from deep and hope for the best. And then this weekend, lo and behold, we get the ball out to Dotty, who's up on the right. He puts a crossing from deep and we hope for the best. And Harry Kane scores a really good header and we win the game. Um, but that's not Dotty's game generally, right? That's the point. Well, we, you and I watched a bunch of his crosses and we kept picking him up for this this really weird annoying technique where he slices <laughs> through the ball and sort yeah, of tries yeah, to yeah. float it in on the diagonal and it never works out and we say well, I hope he I hope someone stops him from doing that and that's a technique <laughs> that he used to to lock it gently upon upon Kane's head so uh I don't know where I'm going with that point other than it was funny <laughs> um buddy what do you make of him so far I think I think one of the problems with Doherty is Mourinho doesn't have three centre-backs he trusts, so we haven't been able to see him and Reguilón yet as full as wing-backs. Um, perhaps that will change if Rodan gets some time and proves himself, but at the moment we, we kind of knew he wasn't a right-back and that he was a wing-back, so he is playing out of position. I think he's been relatively solid. The penalties he's given away, one they were very harsh, although he probably could have given one away against Brighton. I, I think he's been fine, you know. I don't think he's been... He hasn't shone like Region, but he's been fine. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with him. A 16 million pound cent uh, right back who plays like that is, it's a, it's still a good piece of business. I don't like his, I don't like his hair. I don't like his fringe. <laughs> I think he needs, I think he needs to do something different with that. He looks too much like FIFA 98. So maybe if he changes that. Flav from the Fighting Cock, we've already mentioned him once. He says um, you can't be a good footballer if you've got bad hair. So he needs to sort his hair. Then perhaps we'll see something a bit more um, tenacious and dynamic. While while we're on that flex. Eric Dyer needs to not do what he's doing with his hair where he shaves it at the sides only. It looks it looks awful. It really doesn't suit him. I think it's a good look. I hate it so much. I, I like I like it when he just goes like number 1 all over. That's that's uh that's the Dyer look for me. Um I think Doddy's and, and by the way, I'm saying that as a man who's who's clinging on to his hair for, for dear life, uh, and I'm jealous of the amount of hair that Eric Dyer has all over his head. <laughs> so sorry, Eric. Um, respect your hair while you've got it, mate. Um, Doherty, I think he suffers basically from not being Regalon. If that makes sense, yeah, like it's really true. it's 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 such a stark comparison because we've got this young dynamic, athletic, fast left back come in, and on the other side we've got this kind of steady eddy plodding very tall slow fullback um which doesn't look good for doherty but and again and again the, the, he's the slowest right back we've had since vedran chorluka <laughs> who i really liked i really really liked chorluka and i thought he was really underrated and i thought he was very intelligent in the final third and knew when to join the attack and he was clever but i think doherty is that i think he's really intelligent he's got a good football brain he, he knows when to join the attack and, and he'll contribute more and uh, in our set piece video, Nathan, we, we said we, we identified Doherty or you identified Doherty time and again, making himself free at the back post yeah. with these um, back post runs, which is obviously instruction, but he's, he's, he's carrying it out to the absolute letter. And I think he'll contribute goals, if, if not just from that, from the way he attacks the, the edge of the, the box. 
Um, I think there's a lot more to come from Doherty. Like you, I'm not a fan of Aurier. He's he's too error-prone, and I'm not just saying that in terms of the errors that lead to goals. I'm saying the, that in terms of the errors that happen throughout the 90 minutes that kind of don't get the attention. And off the pitch. Yes, he's also... Just a, every moment of his life, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Although, let's keep Aurier around because he makes Ndombele happy. That's so true. Let's just, like, true. let's just keep Aurier <laughs> at the club. Mm-hmm. But having less and less in a in a Jester type role, <laughs> Jester, yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. That that gif where he kind of pokes his head around the corner. If he could mm-hmm. just do that forever, now that's that's We're amusing. Moving him out of the right back role and into gif content. Yes, <laughs> liaison uh, <laughs> administrator. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Maybe maybe not on like eighty grand a week or whatever. <laughs> take a, a little bit of a pay cut because I don't think the rest of the social media team would be very happy if, <laughs> you know, suddenly they've got a team member who's earning a million times as much as them Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Chris Parker says, how much of an impact do you think having a second striker on the pitch made? I personally think the goal only comes about because of Vinicius occupying the other centre-half. And Ian DSB says, how long before we start worrying about Vinicius being another dud? So sort of two quite contrasting questions there. Um, uh, let's let's sort of try and find a route through those. Bardi, what do you think of Vinicius's impacts in this particular game, but also your feelings on him overall so far? I thought he did okay. I was quite surprised by Ian's tweet. Uh, I put it there because I thought maybe it would um, it would spark a bit of a debate between us. But I thought I thought he did all right. He did a lovely shot on the turn, which forced a good save. He he did occupy when you're playing up against three centre backs. He did occupy them. He gave them something else to think about. And I think his his influence did his kind of his, his sheer presence did do something and allowed Kane to, to sneak in. I think he's he's better than Lorente. He's better than Janssen. Probably better than Soldado. And I think maybe he's comparing to me, maybe not as good as Pavlichenko, but I think he's probably like the best number kind of nine that we've had for quite some time. I know it's not saying much, but I, I think he's an excellent squad option. And for three million pound loan fee, it's great. I'm not sure whether I'd want us to activate the, the buyout clause, but I think for this season, already he's starting to prove his worth. Nathan, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, the question is kind of about not because of what we've actually seen, but because of, and we sp- I've spoken about this a lot before, but like the Spurs fan base relationship with strikers, which is that mm-hmm. if they don't immediately score three hat-tricks back-to-back in their first mm-hmm. three games, then they must be terrible because Kane is like the bar they have to pass and everything reminds them of Lorente and Janssen and Soldado. Like him taking a slightly awkward first touch to move backwards to take a shot on his left foot, that's got Janssen written all over it, except that yeah. they are remarkably different players. His, he's just like the timing of his runs is either his his timing is wrong or the players around him are misreading that timing slightly. Uh, it's just slightly off by a little bit and there's no reason why that can't 
come over time. And also, like, he can, you know, be one of two big lads on the pitch so that your big, slow right back can laces across from 50 yards into the box. And that's how you win the league nowadays, apparently. Um, so yep. there's that. I don't know. He's, he's fine. Just, just, just wait, I guess is my main message. Just chill out. It'll be fine. I mean, people are losing their mind because Ollie Watkins is scoring goals, but they're completely different players. We've, we've got Sun and we've got Bale who can, who can do that kind of Ollie Watkins role. Vinicius wasn't signed to be Ollie Watkins. He was, he was signed to be like, you know, plan B chuck a big lump up there and cause a little bit of chaos and see what we can do and yesterday he he helped win us three points and that's what it is if we if we're starting the season if if Vinicius was our number nine for the season then I'd be a little bit concerned but as a as a substitute I think he's great yeah I think I think that's a very fair assessment so far and I agree with Nathan we just need to give him some time to bed in and adjust to the players around him and kind of just to English football and the tempo, but the signs I thought were pretty good in the in the West Brom game. Um, he he definitely occupied defenders. I mean, if you if you watch Kane's goal back and just focus on Vinicius, he's taken Ajayi away from Kane. You know that that would have been the second man challenging Kane in the air. It's, of course, it's had a, a big impact on the goal. Um, and that's you know, of course, that's nothing to do with Vinicius's ability, but it gives us another option. Someone someone that's trusted to play up front is is going to be really helpful. It's going to be really helpful. And I think the assists that he showed in his first appearance were encouraging. Yeah, there was some awareness there. It did make me that Nathan's already referenced the first touch of that shot. The shot was great, by the way, but the first touch was messy. Um, when I heard he was creating space, he was creating space <laughs> for him to turn. That's what he was. It was a clever first touch. No, it wasn't. It was a really bad first touch. He miscontrolled it. And Alan Shearer said the touch is good, and I was like, "What? Yeah, touch is good." Got it out of his feet. Got it out of his feet. who can finish from anywhere in the box nine times out of ten, and XG doesn't make any sense to him because you can just finish any chance. Any touch is also good as long as it means that you can then have a shot with it. So he can he can prang the ball awkwardly off it's his little point. toe and then rifle it first time. It's a good first touch. This is Alan Shearer has an incredibly warped sense of reality because of his own finishing ability, and it's it's very amusing to me that he he sees the world in a very different way to how it is because of his own talents. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, I, I'm not worried about Vinicius yet. I think there's plenty there to go on to say that he's just fine as a backup striker. And we've got, I think we've got a good deal, you know? I think that's a, it's a good cheap option while we wait to see what Troy Parrott's going to become. Obviously, I would have liked Ollie Watkins. I think Ollie Watkins is really good. But pff, he's playing every week at Villa now, and that's going to be really helpful to him. He wouldn't have got that at Spurs. Pff, I think we've done fine. I would like to introduce a rule, Wendy, with your permission. No more Vinicius questions until he scores, or he like you know gets horrifically injured or uh, fights someone outside a nightclub or something. But unless there is there's an emergent situation, we just let this topic sit until there's something to talk about. Yeah. Okay. I, I would like to take this opportunity then to wish Vinicius all the best in his career. Back <laughs> Good. See you later, mate. Good luck. <laughs> Uh, there was another game that we've not spoken about yet, which was Ludigretz. Should, should we briefly touch upon Ludigretz? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to have to talk about Vinicius again, though. <laughs> um, Bale played well, right? I mean, Bale had a really promising showing against Ludigretz, I thought. There, there were some nice touches there. He was bringing the ball inside, laying off his teammates, and then making his way into the box. Uh, there was one moment, which I, again, Chris and I touched upon in Straight Off the Training Ground, where he, he looked like he wanted to 
beat his man for pace on the outside and it didn't quite go to plan. What did you make of that, Bardi? Did that did that discourage you or encourage you? Uh, it kind of encouraged me. It's it, it's good to see him try and stuff. He has been a little bit safe, so it was good to see him do that. I I didn't think he played that well. I didn't think Spurs played played that well, to no. be honest with you. But I think this is all part of um, Kane's. This, uh, this is all part of Bale's kind of work back to fitness. So yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a lot to take away from it up, up, other than scoring from a corner, really. Yeah, I, I thought the. Um... And we got the result we needed, which is obviously the main thing in the Europa League at this point, particularly having lost against Antwerp. But it was a bit of a bit of a damp squib on the whole. Um, and the thing that sort of stays with me throughout much of this Europa League campaign is the use of Delhi and and the meaning that that has behind it. Um, him not getting a minute in this match, Nathan, just felt sad. Like he's dead now. I said that I wouldn't complain because we subbed off Kane at half time when he needs rest, so I I end my I rest my case. <laughs> that was definitely the right decision. Yeah. Kane gets two hundred goals, comes off at half time, don't risk any more injuries with Harry Kane. Job done, fine. Um the other thing of note in this game was Harry Winks' performance. He had a really strong first half. Really strong first half. I thought he was excellent. And then in the second half, it just all went to pieces for him. He was misplacing passes. He was mistiming tackles. He was not tracking his man. It was not a good showing from a man who who does need to impress at this point to have any chance of getting back into the team in the long run. Um, anything you'd like to add to that, Bardi, about Winks' performance? No, not really. He's he does seem to be in a in a bad place at at currently. Mm. I hope he can pull through it, but it does seem does in he need an injury, and I don't really want anyone to get injured just so Harry Winks can improve. This is Harry Winks. He is an inconsistent player who needs the right mm. circumstances in terms of the opposition and the way that they play. And when he plays well, it's not recognised, and when he plays badly, it is. Um, and maybe managers are much more aware of his strengths and his positives and the fans are not and it's just it's just um he's just a bit of a whipping boy which is a shame because he is a talented player who is capable mm-hmm. of good performances he just probably needs a slightly lower level than what we're aspiring to and, and that's it mm-hmm. that's fair and um, we'll end on one question we're going to save the majority of the questions for for our episode in international week but uh, we'll end on this one from ken ward who's from sydney in australia uh, he says, over the past year, there's been so much discussion comparing Pochettino's style to Jose. However, the one topic I don't remember being covered that I think is now especially timely is the different approaches Poch and Jose take towards integrating new signings into the first 11. Under Poch, we might sign a player in July or August, but it could be January or February the next year before we might see them on the pitch for meaningful minutes. Whereas what we've seen from Jose is that signings from Gedson to Bergvine last Jan to all our amazing recent signings get on the park almost immediately. I'd love your take on whether the difference in approach is philosophical or down to the system and style of football each manager likes to play, or a bit of both. And I thought this was an interesting point. It's not something I've seen sort of mentioned elsewhere, but it's, it's definitely a thing. You know, Pochettino really used to want players to, to bed in. Um, and famously, he said, of course, you come to Tottenham to train, not to play. Uh, but I wonder if it's something more about what he wanted them to appreciate before they stepped onto the pitch. Any thoughts, Bardi? Um, I think a lot of it's got to do with the type of players that both managers received during their junior stewardship and also the fact that we did go a long, long time without signing any player. So it does become a, yeah. a little bit skewed. 
Um, just off the top of my head, if we look at players that were signed during Pochettino's reign, a lot of them were alternatives or backups. We didn't really sign any first choice players. Like, um, the, the back four was pretty set. The midfield was pretty set and, uh, the strike force. Um, Sun saying that Sun did start his first game at Sunderland away and then he played against Palace at home where I think he scored his first goal. So he, Pochettino did throw him straight in. I can understand why Pochettino didn't throw in players like Sissoko and Lorente. Whereas um, Mourinho has been very much, he's he's had to play Bergwijn immediately because of injuries. He's had to play Gedson immediately because of injuries. And then this season, he wanted a right back. I think what also is the Endombele and Lo Celso issue is both were kind of injured or not fit when they arrived. And the same with Cessignon. So I don't think it's anything to do with Pochettino being um afraid to put new signings in straight away I just don't think the players that he were given were ready for first team football either talent wise or in the physical sense yeah no I I agree that the differences are not non-existent but uh, not as dramatic as they may appear uh, partly because yeah we, we've had like two games a week from the beginning of the season non-stop um, and so many players in at once and all that mm. kind of stuff but like um I I think if you look at the um oh shit which game was it the Europa League game that we lost <laughs> help me out Antwerp and if you look at Antwerp that is sort of that's the downside of of bringing in too many new players fringe players at once um but again I don't think I I mean you could probably find a similar performance from a similar changeover a squad under Pochettino at some point so I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think the difference is that dramatic I wondered and I I, I dread to say this point in a way because I think it will just reek of my anti-Mourinho agenda <laughs> uh, but but I wonder if there's something about their sort of philosophies managers as well Pochettino seemed to be much more about developing players into his system and sure. drilling them and uh, if he could use youth players he, he did use youth players at the start certainly that, that tailed off as we know as, as I was so frustrated by um, Mourinho has always signed big names and been very proud to sign big names. And he kind of then puts his arm around the new signings and says, this is my guy. This is the guy that's going to make a difference. This is the person I'm going to, you know, put into the first team and I'm going to make them into a star. And I don't think either approach is necessarily wrong. I mean, Mourinho's had tremendous success doing that throughout his whole career. So it's definitely not wrong. It's it's absolutely right. He's been right at all the clubs he's been at, um, except for, for United. Um, and even then he won trophies through signing some players. Uh, so I, I wondered if that's part of it as well. Um, I don't know. May, I mean, maybe Pochettino just want, expected players to be immaculate before they stepped foot on the pitch. He, he wanted to appreciate the role they played in his quite detailed pressing system and quite detailed possessional system. And, and maybe yeah. you can't just throw players into that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yeah, I was just going to say that Mourinho is properly stacking up the body count now at Tottenham. He's he's getting through quite a few players, and yeah, there man. seems to be a massive brotherhood of players now that just I don't think we'll see for a long time. Gazaniga, Delhi is kind of half in there, half out. Bergwijn has disappeared. Sanchez, Jensen. Rose. Rose, there's there's quite there's quite a lot of money being paid into players who who aren't playing football at the moment, and I, I think I think in January we're going to see another big churn of of players come out. Yeah, and this is something you ha- you expect with Mourinho. He does he does like to sort of bring in his his men. He likes to make a lot of changes to squads, and that can be expensive. I mean, Daniel Levy knew that when he took him on, so he, he must have been prepared for it. Um, and we just have to hope that the success 
follows that because otherwise it's it's a very expensive failure um i mean let's hope that doesn't happen uh but yeah really interesting question ken good point thank you for thank you for getting in touch if you want to get in touch you can at podcast at the extra uk. go on nathan i can see you waiting with your hand up <laughs> uh i invite all of our listeners at this time to pause the podcast and say in their worst possible australian accent the name ken ward which i'm not sure going to do on the podcast that'd be rude but you can all do it at home does it sound nice in an Aussie accent? It, it sounds, it's fine. Have you rehearsed it? I, I, only, <laughs> only silently. I reckon he'd be called Wardy. Wardy? Right, Wardy? Oh, we've done it. For G'day, sure. Wardy. <laughs> yeah. Is that offensive? No. Well, I don't know. I'm not always the best judge on this kind of thing. But <laughs> so, so, so. so me and my other half were talking about um, Australia and Australians at the weekend, actually. Her, her cousin spent uh, many years living out there and... Uh, have you noticed that Australians start sentences? Certainly, Australian sportsmen uh, start sentences with "Ah, oh, look," <laughs> just like their their go to way. Like the way that um, Harry Kane would say, "You know," Australians say, "Look." I, Australians say, "Yeah, no," and "Yeah, nah," and I've picked that up. And someone, one of the listeners, <laughs> told me how annoying it was that I keep starting sentences with "Yeah, nah," but I, I find it it's fun to say. It runs off the tongue nicely. So we end there. Do we end there? Do we end on "Yeah, nah"? <laughs> Let's end there before um, we have to do an ESPN style apology for um, for this for this segment. <laughs> You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud E Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.